It's time for your weekly hot mug of coffee talk with your host, Jonathan Harmon. This is Jonathan Harmon with the Jay Harmon Home Team, powered by Keller Williams, with my buddy Scott Abernathy over here at PMI. Um, you know, I, I, when did you guys change to PMI? Uh, we've been PMI about a year and a half now. Okay. Well, I've been telling everybody wrong. I've still been telling them wrong. Reliant Property Management was our iteration before this. Yeah. So we yeah. franchised with Property Management Inc. about a year and a half ago. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I will definitely make that correction when I make the recommendation. Try to share it. It's on your page, right? Yeah. It'll it'll pull up. Is it not going? Oh, here we go. Should be going. Yeah. Here we go. Who's watching us right now? We got. Oh, you're watching us. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> hey, look at that, Scott Abernathy. And I'm sharing. That's cool. We'll have some others uh, join in as well. Um, I didn't give them as much of a heads up on this one as I normally do. But anyway, so uh, Scott uh, does property management. His company does. He does some teaching as well and um, very involved in our in our uh, realtor association and, and various other things like that. And uh, Nick Howell says hi. Do you know Nick? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Okay. She just posted something on the uh, uh, landlord's group. Yeah. Gotcha. Nick's a good Nick's a good dude, so we like Nick. Um, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about property management. We're going to talk about being a, a landlord. Gonna, I want to learn about you, how you got into the business, um, learn a little bit about your organization, too. We're actually sitting out in your uh, your bullpen, bullpen area here, so we're going to pan it around. Say good morning. Hey, what's up, guys? Got Nathan back here. Nathan does most of our leasing and sales. Uh, got Megan over here. Hi, Megan. She, run, she runs the show. And then we got we got a, a uh, someone hiding in the back office there that doesn't want to be on camera, and that's that's cool. And we can't forget Frank. Oh, Frank's back here in the in, Hi, Frank. in the corner office. He runs our homeowners association management. Department. Frank has the corner office. Absolutely. Oh, very he, nice. He has the escape room, escape door. <laughs> Fantastic. So I didn't know. I didn't realize you guys did uh, HOA stuff. We do. Yes. Is that's that relatively new to us? And yeah. Frank's heading that up. He's doing a fantastic job with that. So what is that? What do you guys do for that? Just Take care of the day-to-day -day details of a homeowners association. Get the lawnmowers out there, Absolutely. collect the HOA dues. Or if it's a condominium, we'll make sure exterior maintenance is taken care of. Sometimes, sometimes it's lawn care. Yeah. Sometimes it's just nothing more than managing a sign. So yeah, yeah. it all depends on what they need. Right on. I didn't know y'all did that. Is that. Do you stick mostly to Murfreesboro for that? or Murfreesboro, Smyrna, Laverne. We'll go into Nashville as well. Okay. Very cool. And you said that's relatively new. It is. We started See? that about, what, four months ago, Frank? Something like that? Okay. So it's about a year. So we've been doing it a year. Oh, yeah. God. Dang. Time flies. Well, that's good to know. I actually uh, am helping getting a subdivision going. So we'll be looking for we'll an HOA manager. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. There you go. I've already learned something. <laughs> well, I guess we're done. <laughs> Let's keep going. What do you say? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Scott, uh, how long have you been doing property management? Uh, I'm going to show my age here. Since 1989. Good Lord. Yeah, I know. Were you even born? Yes, I was uh, born, but I wasn't in high school yet. <laughs> that's not what I'm uh, Seriously, I was still serving in the United States Air Force, and I bought my first triplex with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, she and I pooled everything we had together and bought our first triplex, and uh, she hated it. Boy, she hated dealing with that uh, property. By the way, I don't recommend buying houses with girlfriends. Just food for thought on that. Actually, as it turned out, she's my wife now. We've been married. 25th anniversary coming up, as a matter of Congratulations. fact. Congratulations. Right. Cheers. I start getting gifts now, right? Um, no. I mean, why, why start why now? Why start now? <laughs> yeah. I hope she wasn't watching my, that because she's going to hate me. My poor wife. Anyway, um, so that's how I got started in, in property management. She hated dealing with it when I came back out of the Air Force. 
tossed me those keys and said, I'm done with this. We're selling this property. You're taking care of it. Sign our, it's so I started managing it. I found out that I loved it. I freaking love managing real properties and owning real properties. I love, it's, it's a passion of mine. Yeah. So in my experience, so I have, I have a couple myself and I've had a few that I've sold and whatever. Um, there is a big difference in owning rental properties and managing rental properties. There is. So you said you love both. Uh -huh. So can you just give us the, the, the two, two miles up view of the difference between the two? Sure. If you own rental properties, either you're managing them or somebody else is. So or no one, one is. Other, that's oh, bad. that's even worse. Or no yeah. one is. Oh gosh. And I've seen that over and over I and over again with uh, deferred maintenance or angry tenants or whatever the case may be. Yeah, no management. That, that's even worse than not. Actually, that's about as bad as it gets. Yeah. You wind up being a slumlord in that case. For sure. Uh, and it hurts your investment. I mean, oh, yeah. ultimately, you don't do it because you love it. You do it because it's an investment. You do. That's and right. it just so happens that you love it, that, too. That helps. That's right. Exactly. Being a landlord is an investment. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And it is all about the dollars and cents, but you kind of got to like it also. Right. So from the two-mile-up view, yes, it's not for everybody. Being a landlord is not for everybody, and being a property manager is definitely not for everybody. For sure. It uh, takes a certain personality type. To be a landlord, you've got, you can't be risk averse. You've got to be ready for risk. It's going to happen. Uh, bad things are going to happen. Being a property manager or being a landlord that's managing their own property, you've got to be good at working with people. It is a people business. And just like with any other people business, things go wrong with people businesses. You know, people lose their job. People pass away. Uh, people, Stuff breaks. People are just mean. Yeah. Mean, it just, it can be They're crazy. Sometimes, sometimes I mean, right. like they're certifiable. Like you just kind of look at them and scratch your head and you're like, what? And, and you have to be able to work with all people. Some yeah. people don't speak English. Uh, some people are a different faith than yours. Some people are a different color than you, whatever. You've got to be able to work with all people. Right. Right. Now here's the big one though. You gotta be able to deal with conflict. It is a conflict business. If you can't handle an argument, if you can't handle, you know, if you shy away from it, you're not going to be very good at property management. You can be a good real estate investor, but you're not going to be very good at property management if you shy away from conflict. And you said you can be a real estate investor, but you would have to hire some muscle. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I tell you, I think, uh, I think everybody, I think every landlord needs a property manager. And I, when I say that, I'm including myself. I own 26 rental properties myself. And even I have a property manager. She's not here today. She'll be here shortly. So you... Your company manages your properties, yes. but you don't manage your own. Misty Sexton is the property manager that manages my property. That's fascinating. Does that give you that that kind of objective curtain, so yes. to speak? I call it the emotional barrier. Okay. And here's how I learned this. So, uh, and, and Holly's not with us anymore. She was working with me at the time. And I had one of my own personal properties that I had rehabbed. I put way too much money in this house. And I was Happens. asking way too much for it. There's really only one reason a property doesn't rent. That's because you're asking too much for it. And it wasn't renting and I'm getting a little stressed out. You know, like any landlord, you get a little worried because it's not bringing in money. And uh, I had two, two nice young ladies that made an application and uh, I handed it over to Holly and I looked at Holly and I said, don't worry about processing that application. It's my property. I can just, we can take that. And she looked at me and said, now Scott, remember fair housing. We have to treat everybody exactly the same. I got to quit training my employees by the way. <laughs> anyway, oh, or, shucks. or hire a good attorney. So it's, it's really one or the other, right? <laughs> so right. No, she was absolutely right. She processed this application. Both of those sweet young ladies had evictions on their records. And I, a professional property manager, was getting ready to take them. So even I need an emotional barrier between me and my properties. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, and that makes sense. And that, and you know, 
as a realtor, as a property manager, that's one of the things that we do for our clients, right? Is it's all very personal. It's all, I mean, it's, it's the concept of home, especially if you pour a bunch into it labor wise and money wise into a rehab, you know, it's hard to separate that. It is. That's right. And, uh, and, and so we have to look at it and go, okay, look, let's be objective about it. it is ultimately a business transaction. So how do we, how do we get to that point? Right. It's and an investment, it's business and you've got to keep the emotions out of it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, hard tough. to do. It is. It's tough. I, when you've got a, you know, a $200,000 investment out there that you're counting on somebody else to make your payment for you and they quit doing it. It's hard not to get emotional at that. Sure. Well, it's scary. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. When you start having to feed the pig, it gets rough. Yeah. It's the reason you really need to be in a decent financial condition before you start buying real estate. So what, what is a decent financial condition to buy a rental property? Let's, let's paint a little bit of a picture, set some parameters, and then you kind of tell me what this should look like. Okay. Sure. Okay. In, in our market right now, purchasing a, a property, just any property, it, everything's high. Everything's high. Is it? Yes, everything's high. Is it? So everything that's that's on the retail market. No, is no, high. no. I guess what I'm trying to say is, will it be higher ten years from now than it is now? Fair question. So is it high? It is higher than it has been in the last seven years. Okay. How about that? Actually, it's higher than it's ever been. Right. But if you really think about the real estate market, I don't mean to argue with you. No, no. It's it's fair. always higher than it's ever been. No. Okay. Not in 2009, it wasn't. Right. Or, or 10, or 11, or 12. We had one blip, and that's full That's sure. right. If you look back through history, real estate rarely ever actually depreciates in value. So we had that one blip through the recession that changed you, our thought process. That, that's true, but it's fresh. It right? is. Oh, no. So Thank do you. you think, so let me ask you this. Well, so let's go down that road for yeah, a second. Uh, sure. And, and I've actually done another and video about And I to argue this. with him, by the way. Yeah, I know he does, <laughs> and it's fantastic. So I like being challenged. So I did a video about this, and, and the thing is, anytime that you have massive appreciation in a short short span of time, you're going to have corrections, right? I agree. Every time, okay? If it goes way up real fast from wherever you started, it's going to come back down, and then it'll go back up. I mean, it's just, it's just cyclical. It's I totally happen. agree. So when I say it's way high, all right, it depends on your time frame. It okay. does. That's right. So if you're going to buy now, then you need to go ahead and plan that you're going to hold that property for an undisclosed period of time because it's at some point it's going to hiccup. And so you need to get, be able to get through the hiccup. Okay. Right. So if your plan is to buy now rent for a couple years, right? You hear this. Well, what's a couple years? That's a little more risky. Because two years from now might very well be in the middle of the hiccup. Could be. Maybe. Could be 10 years from now. Could be. So we don't know. Right. So, I was just going to ask you, when's the hiccup going to happen? No idea. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be nice? It'd be know? great. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you an example of the last hiccup that we had, which if you start back to the 1999 tech bubble, when the tech bubble popped, everybody knew real estate was next. The real estate bubble was about to pop and everybody knew it was happening. Sure. What happened in 2000? Real estate went up. What happened in 2001? Real estate went up. 2002, 2003, 2004. That bubble just kept getting Absolutely. bigger. Absolutely. Around, somewhere around 2003 and 2004, I started seeing investors saying, you know what? I'm putting my money in my pockets. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Real estate is high, right? What happened in 2005? Went up. What happened in 2006? Kept going Even up. seven. Look at the appreciation that these investors So from five, five to nine, it might have been flat. It could have been, but we don't hold look. it through nine. Do what? You don't hold it through nine. No, uh, that's what I'm saying, though. So... If they had kept buying in five, then they might have been okay even in the hiccup. 
or could have sold it two years, had that two-year plan, sold it in seven and been aces. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying my point is you can't time the market. And my thought process about buying real estate is real estate is an investment you want and you can afford it. And we'll come back to the, yeah. the uh, boom, people boom. that can afford it, right? Uh, yeah. You can afford it, then buy it. Don't try to time the market. It is good to have an exit strategy. My personal exit strategy is death. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So it doesn't really matter to me what but as long as you does. have the, the ability to have that exit strategy. That's right. That's and right. that's really the key. So people make the mistake of trying to get into the market before they can afford the death exit strategy. Agreed. That's, that's the So you asked me a little while ago, so paint the picture of somebody that can afford it. Well, for starters, he's right. Prices are high. Rents have not kept up with, uh, with, with, uh, and that's the real prices. problem. Isn't that it? Is, that's right. So if you're buying a $200,000 house, this is how I've always thought you want to get $2,000 in rent, right? I'm not doing that anymore. And that's it's right. not going to happen. Your $200,000 house might pull you 1200, 1500. What you're referring to is capitalization rate. And yes. without getting too difficult and too technical for your viewers, it's kind of like a rate of return that you're going to get on your investment. A typical single family capitalization, capitalization rate, shortened as just cap rate, uh, over history would be 8 to 10%. Uh, these days, on a single family, you're lucky to get 5 to 6. So it's not the end of the world. And so my little 1% model actually outpaces that. It does. Right? That's right. So that'd be a 12%. Oh, yeah. Well, on a cap rate, yes, right. That's exactly yeah. right. The one percent rule is out the window right now. But you're if I can happy. get that, then I'm a happy guy. Golden. Well, okay. If you can get that, you're probably getting into slums. Can I say slums? You can. Okay, gotcha. Because uh -huh. you spent nothing and and then and then invested nothing back into it, and you're overcharging. I'm for going it. to Memphis tomorrow morning. Well, I'll be in Memphis tomorrow morning to look at three properties. Somebody's looking to owner finance to me because they passed that one percent rule. I already know that all three of those properties are going to be garbage. Yeah. But they're worth looking at because they passed the one percent rule. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. So the investor that's able to buy it in today's market, especially in today's market, needs to be prepared to put at least thirty percent down. If they're going to hire management and not manage it, manage it themselves, which really people don't think about how much their own time is worth whenever they're managing it themselves. For sure, it's probably worth more than what the property manager is going to cost. If they're going to hire management, they probably need closer to thirty-five percent down then they need to have some reserves, depending on how many units they have. So they have one single family property. You know, I'd sit on $5,000. I'd have that as my minimum bank account for that business. And even that's so honestly kind of low. It's kind of risky, isn't it? $5,000 I mean, you get an HVAC that goes time. out? For Go a long on. time, HVAC was my big number. It was always, you know, $5,000 or less. But I tell you, in a decent sized house, a three ton unit is more than $5,000. Yeah. Actually, a two and a half ton unit is probably 6,500. So yeah, and 5,000 may not be enough. The nice thing about that is for a real estate investor, you don't actually have to start there, but you need to have that as your goal. You know, you have your 30, 35% down, you buy the property and whatever income you get from that property, you set it aside. And this is what, what I do. Yep. I don't pull anything out of my rental properties until I have $5,000 minimum balance in there. Once I have a $5,000 minimum balance, then you know what, I'll go to dinner on something or whatever the case may be, maybe take a vacation or whatever, the, whatever I want to do with it. But if I ever have to use that 5,000, I don't do, I don't touch it at all until I build it back up to that. It makes sense. It makes sense. And and the only way to really do that then is to cash flow. So if you're, and that's where your 30 to 35 percent is Make coming cash from. Flow. That's right. Yeah. If yeah. you wanted to cash flow, that's where that percentage is coming and, from. And so we're, when, when we say cash flow, what that means is if you finance the property, if your rent's going to be a thousand bucks, your payment on that, your payment uh -huh. needs to be significantly less than that thousand dollars. Precisely. Right? Yes. Uh -huh. And when you say significantly less, people forget a lot of things. Uh, I have a little seven point uh, easy budget that I like to uh, 
do with people. And people always figure out all right off the bat, you know what, I got to make my payment. I got to pay my taxes. I got to pay my insurance. And that's usually all on the same payment. What about an HOA? What about? If you have an HOA, what about management? About maintenance. Maintenance is what people forget. Even if it's your own house you're moving out of and it's the best, most pristine property on the planet. You're sticking other people in there. That's right. Even if you lived in it yourself. You're going to have maintenance. Air filters. Yeah, right. Whatever. You I know, mean, condensers, heat exchangers, you know, roof leaks, plumbing issues. It, it goes on. The list goes on and on. Yeah. That is probably the biggest portion of our job is coordinating maintenance. Hardest part of our job. And, For sure. Uh, coordinating maintenance is probably the most difficult. Uh, Collection is pretty difficult too, but uh, coordinating maintenance is the most time consuming uh, of our job. People don't think about collection loss. Things go bad. Things happen. And you've got to be ready for somebody that you have to move out that's not going to pay you. And then you might sit and you might have to repair the property and sit on the property for a month or turnover. Maybe longer. Who knows? That's the last thing. Turnover. You've got to be ready for turnover also. So yeah. That's what that all that budget's for. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. It's a great investment though. It's it, if you've got the temperament. It is it's a nightmare if you don't. In my opinion, the best investment. And I'm probably going to offend a lot of your uh, financial planners that may be watching you right They'll now. They'll be strong. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, okay, Bill of Goods is probably a little, the wrong way of putting it, although I think I just did it. Um, when I first started my professional career, I did everything I could to set aside as much money as I could. 401ks, IRAs, you know, MSAs, anything I could, tax-deferred money was all in the market, what we call the market, with financial planners. My financial planners are great. He's done a fantastic job for me. Guy that runs our 401k here does a great job for us also. <laughs> Outside of that is where I've done my real estate investment. Which do you think has done better? Oh yeah, no doubt you've outpaced it. Not just a little bit. Right. But by far, sure. it's done better. And I'm a, I'm a saver. I save all I can in those tax deferred investments. And it's still. Well, but that's all. You, what you're talking about though is truly diversifying your portfolio, right? Agreed. So you've got some in the stock market, you've got some probably in some bond markets, and then you've got some in the real estate market, which you're plugged into. And so my point in that is that not everybody would have the same qualifications to be plugged into the real estate market. However, that's where your service comes in to help someone. And your service also. Right. Uh, the real estate agent. That's right. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Hey, Nick asked a question. Uh, it was a few minutes ago. He said, uh, how is that a good investment at five to 8%? Okay. You're not thinking about it, right? Sorry, Nick. He probably is. He's probably just arguing with you and wants you to explain and that's it. okay. Nick's a pretty so sharp dude. So. We, we talked about cap rate a little while ago, which is kind of a rate of return, but it's not actually a rate of return. Cap rate is only part of what you're going to get yeah. in return. You also have appreciation. Cash on cash, and that's one of my favorites, by the way. Your favorite metric that, that I deal with is cash on cash. Who doesn't like cash, right? Sure. And cash on cash is basically the rate of return you're getting in money back relative to what you're spending on the property. And that's everything. It's essentially your, dividends your, is what it amounts to. Kind of, yes. In, exactly. in a stock world. That's the number that's low these days. The, that, but that's just one part of your return. You've got other elements that go into what's called an internal rate of return. And that would be the, the return on investment, assuming you actually were going to sell the property eventually in the future. Sure. And that's going to be your appreciation and your amortization and yeah. the tax benefits. That's where the wealth is built. The wealth is not built on that 100 bucks a month you're going to make on a no rental property. It's built on the $3,000 a year that it went up this year, the $4,000 you paid down this year. The tax benefits you didn't have to pay this right, year. That's you took where the a loss wealth is built. on the property. That's where the wealth is built. So that's how you how I understand five or six percent does not sound very sexy, although given the fact that 
you can only get one in a money market or a CD. It's not too terribly bad. Right. But it's the internal rate of return that magnifies that five to six percent to fifteen to sixteen percent. It's the whole picture, not right. just the, exactly. the cash flow. Hard to so, see though. Well, and it's the same, you know, but it's the same mindset. And this is you, you yeah. said this where wealth is built. You know, I'll never forget I went to um this, this has been years ago. I don't even think they're still in business. Went to Bill Hurd Chevrolet. Okay. I had $2,000 in my pocket, literally like greenbacks in my pocket. And I said, show me a $2,000 car. And they're like, well, this car is $150 a month. And I said, that's not what I asked for. I said, show me a $2,000 car. And they said, well, this car, what, what does your payment need to be? And I said, no, you're not listening to me. I have $2,000 in my pocket and I would like to buy a $2,000 car. Hope you were selling real estate. No, no, I was, I was young, 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 and uh, and I said, I, I said, so show me a two thousand dollar car, and I, I mean they were baffled, like it just, it just didn't register that I actually wanted to buy a car for two thousand dollars. It was all about the payment, right? And so it's the same kind of mindset where people get stuck on the payment and they don't look at the the Thank whole you. picture. Agreed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good analogy. I like. Yeah. I, I, I was so frustrated. I was like. Y'all don't want to sell me a car, do you? And they're like, well, how much do you want? You're still not listening. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, so, all right. We're just pissed off all the car salespeople. Well, no, just or listen. Or people. Well, then they're they're business, Yeah, so just listen to the people that are talking to you. That's all I'm going to say. So actually, actually hear them. Um, all right, so let's talk, let's talk about your business. Let's shift a little bit. Sure. How many properties do you guys manage? We have two offices. We have one here in Murfreesboro and one in Memphis. Okay. And between the two offices, we manage about 600 properties and a handful of homeowners associations. That's fantastic. And are they all um, single family, multi, like, like duplex type things, or do you manage whole apartment complexes? Or Most of our portfolio is single family homes. We have a handful of multifamily, small multifamily, like duplexes and, and triplexes, and uh, excuse me, quadplexes. And we have two apartment communities. Okay, you do. Yeah, okay. So fantastic. What's your favorite? I mean, obviously, you like single family. Right? I do like single family. Uh, the reason is for, from an investor standpoint, the reason I like single family is uh, it's so easy to do something with. If I decide I want to change plans, I want an exit strategy, they're so easy to dispose of. The one downfall to owning real estate is not very liquid. Uh, single family properties is the most liquid of all of them. Agreed. If you've got a multifamily property or an apartment building, your only choice to sell it is to another investor. Right. What's another investor want? A deal. A deal, right. Exactly. Every time. Uh, single family homes are bought with emotion, not money. Sorry. That's true. That's a good point. So uh, a, a wise old sage once told me when I was first getting into investing, he said um, it, his advice was always buy single family starter homes. I agree that. I like that. Mm -hmm. He said, well, there's a reason American Homes for Rent and Progress Realty and uh, Main Street Rule have come in and spent millions and millions of dollars on those homes. So. Mm -hmm. And they're buying some that are a little bit bigger, a little bigger yeah, but, right. but his Not thing, they have a lot of choice, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. But his thing was you stick with the three bedroom, two bath garage or no garage, but just, you know, a thousand to maybe 1300 square foot. I agree. There are some benefits to economies of scale and multifamily property. Not your uh, duplexes and quadruplexes, but like large multifamily properties. You got something that's a hundred units where you've got a maintenance technician that goes to work on a property in a golf cart. Mm -hmm. You know, or a leasing. But that's a totally different over. animal. I mean, it at that point, you're. I mean, you got some big economies of scale, though. though yeah, that, that be beneficial sure. over the single family properties. Single family properties, because they're scattered site, 
uh, one of our biggest expenses is maintenance. And the reason maintenance is so expensive is because they're not right here. Right. And we dispatch somebody out there going from, you know, Christiana or Murfreesboro. They got to route their time. They got to go. And and somebody's paying for that windshield time. Yeah. Fortunately, that's the owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, are you still, at one point, you uh, experimented with essentially renting out your maintenance crew. Are you guys still doing that? Not exactly. Um, unfortunately, labor has come, become so tight, and uh, we have four maintenance set five. Excuse me, just tired of another. We have five maintenance technicians, and we got them so busy on the rental properties. Yeah. With all that being said, I'm looking to re- the name of that company is Home Squad, uh, and I'm looking to redo. I'm revamping that entire company, so we probably will start doing that again. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was brilliant. I remember when you rolled that out. It's, I thought that was. There's so many little jobs that nobody wants to do. Yeah. And we do those all the time. Right. right. You know, we're we're experts at them. The challenge is getting to my passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, that was perfect uh, real estate agents that are out there watching. You know, that was that was what was so cool about it is, you know, hand us your uh, your home inspection list. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, you're right. It's like I really got to get somebody out here to, to, to caulk the flashing right. or whatever. I mean, just goofy little Find stuff. Find somebody to do it. It's or adjust a strike plate uh-huh. or, you know. And like I said, that's what we do every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, gotcha. All right, so um, – Tell us about it, it, it. I just bought my first rental house. Um, I kind of want to manage my manage it myself okay. because I don't want to pay you. Sure. Right. Uh-huh. So, give me your pitch. Sure. Well, first things first. You're going to hate owning your first rental house. <laughs> really. I mean, when you bought your first one, did you love it? I actually moved out of my first one okay. and, and retained one. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Gotcha. The only reason I say that is when you own one rental property. It's scary, property, by the way. It is. It is frightening. It's emotional. It's everything's a problem. Yeah. You know, everything is a disaster. How do you screen somebody? How do you, right. you just, you're so unknowledgeable. And this person set my house on fire while I'm sleeping in this house. Yeah. yeah. That's the big thing. You can't see the progress you're making. Yes. You might get a little rent in. you might be making 50 bucks a month on it. Hmm. You know, what are we going to do for $50 a month? Well, you as a landlord also being the property manager, you're doing a lot for that $50 a month of your own personal. I make 350 off my first one a month. Okay. That's nice. That's nice. Well, okay. But still, still, are you really, you really getting excited over $350 a month? But you can get excited if you really look at the big picture and say, well, not only did I make that, but I amortized this loan away for you know, $6,000 this year. I, I got an appreciation rate of another $7,000. Mm-hmm. But you don't see that. It's hard to see it. Sure. You get your second one, things become a little more routine. You can start seeing progress. By the time you get to four, that's when you really start seeing the meat on the bone. You start looking at your financial statement and saying, you know what? I'm building some wealth here. So that's when it really starts becoming pleasurable. Most people, and I'm giving you this from my experience from my investors, most of my investors have one property. Most of them are not happy with that one property. Right. When they get that second one is when they start becoming happy with their investment choice. That makes sense. And do, do you find that a lot of people have that, they become landlords uh, kind of accidentally where they've, they've moved out of a house, they didn't sell it, they kind of toyed with renting it? Not as much anymore. Okay. We did because well, everything sells now. Right. Yeah, we did though. Although I will say this, I'm seeing a shift in the market right now. I don't know if you're seeing it in the sales market, but what we're seeing in the sales market is we are getting more calls now. Over the last two months, we've had more calls of people that said we can't sell our house. Can you tell us how much it'll rent for? We've had more calls in the last two months than we have in the last four years. I believe okay. that. So, but you know, it's interesting. I actually, you ought to check out my video because you would, you would love this. We, I was talking about the shift, right? And and I compare that. I'm, I love analogies. Um, but I compare it to if you've ever been on a sailboat and the wind is blowing at your back and it is that sail is full and it's beautiful and you're laying over on the side and I mean, you're just, just going, right? 
And all of a sudden that wind just goes just a little bit and the sail starts to do this number and it's like, huh, you haven't changed, but it's just slowed down a little bit and there's a little uncertainty and you're just not 100% sure what's going on. And, it, and it's funny, people have called you and they've said, I can't sell my house. Mm -hmm. I bet you if I went back and checked every single one of the people that said that to you, it is really, I can't sell my house in two weeks. Okay, you're probably right. Because it feels like, oh my God, we've been on the market 21 days. What is going on here? You know, and that's, that's where everybody is right now. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, because we're so used to, this house goes on the market and we've got a contract in three days or less. You know, uh, six offers, you know, every one of them is above asking price. And that's just not, it's pulled back. Interest rates have ticked up. There's been several things that have happened that have kind of, like I said, shifted that wind just a little bit. I think buyers are saying enough is enough. That's a big part of it. And the affordability scale. So we've priced ourselves to here. Interest rates have also ticked up to here. And all, is, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden that affordability has, has dropped. I agree, yeah. We're seeing kind of the same thing with rents. We can't really see, rents are coming down a little bit as well because they haven't kept up with wages. Uh, rents are coming up, wages have been coming up, but not as much as rents have. So The gap is wide. There's, there's a critical mass there. You, yeah. can't, uh, you can't get any farther and still be able to fill your property. And that's what precipitates the, the hiccup that we're that's talking right. about. That's right. Mm -hmm. Sure. The backlash. I agree it's coming. I just don't know that I agree that prices are high. Okay, let me give you a reason why I say I, I hear you. All right. I, I bought a duplex. You tell me whether I made money on this project. I bought a okay. duplex in 1993 for $53,500, okay? That was market value in 1993. Well, I was a real estate developer during the recession. What happened to real estate developers during the recession? Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. If I didn't have my rental properties, I would have been bankrupt. So sure. thankfully, I had rental properties. But to do that, I had to sell some of my rental properties to keep the doors open. Sure. One of those was that duplex that I bought for $53,500. Sold it in 2010, arguably the lowest, worst, the worst real estate year. market that we've ever, ever, that we will ever see. And I sold it for the low, low price of $112,000. I was going to guess one twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> it probably was worth one twenty-five three years before. Right. So if you look at it that way, yeah, I'm taking a loss. But did I really take a loss? No, I think you did okay. No, I've got and you made money. It was 20 years. And yeah, right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Made money the whole time. I, I just don't think that we will ever see prices high, if that makes sense. I, I always go up eventually. But it, it, and again, this all goes back to realistic expectations and what is your actual strategy, yeah. right? Are you it speculating does. and you want to turn Spec a quick dollar? Okay. Whole different animal. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Or fix and flip or that is not, that's more speculative, speculative or even real estate development, much more speculative, which by the way, I don't do anymore. I learned my lesson. <laughs> uh, I stick with what I know best and that's real estate buying hold ownership. Yeah, I like it. All right, we're, we're at 30 minutes, so we're going to wrap up a little bit. Tell me real quick, as far as uh, I'm that, that single property owner, I'm wanting to get into sure. to renting it. Um, I call you. What does that process look like? What's the, if you can, the cost associated? Sure. You know, how do you, how do you guys do that? Okay, sure. There's a lot of different ways that we can do it. Oh, I say variables. There's uh, different variables that uh, go into it. For starters, okay. reach out to your real estate agent or your property manager before you buy a property. So we can guide you in what's good, what's not. And for that matter, what's going to cost more than what others. Uh, our, we have a base rate of 10% is what we charge for our management fee. Mm -hmm. But that base rate can change depending on what the property is. If it is in very poor condition and we've got to get it up to snuff, or if you're in the middle of an eviction, we have to do the eviction for you, which we do. We have a service that does evictions also. Okay. Uh, or if it's in a war zone. If it's in a war zone, I'm going to charge more for it. Sure. On the other hand, if you come to me with, 
20 good properties, I can charge less for it. So there are some variables that play sure. into that. Um, that's not a lot of money, obviously. It's nickels and dimes. Uh, the businesses, we got to do a lot of them to pay for all these folks. So all these guys are really expensive. Yeah. And they actually want to have dinner. Every yeah, now and then. Yeah, right. And shocking, isn't it? <laughs> no, in all seriousness, that's going to be the, the, the crux of it. The choice is to do it yourself or hire a property manager. A property manager is going to make you more money in the long run. But it's hard to see. Much like that internal rate of return is hard to see from an a real estate investment, it's hard to see how a property manager makes you more money. A property manager is going to make sure that deferred maintenance doesn't happen over time. A property manager is going to get you time. Let, let me qualify some sure. good property manager. Okay, no, you're right. There's not, they're not all good, just like real estate agents. They're not all good, just like doctors. They're not all good. Right, because uh, there's some really crappy ones. There are. They're, you're exactly right. In our market. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to call any names, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, hope none of them are PMI. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I'm stopping right there. So you're right. A good property manager will ultimately make you money. But you know what you really get a property manager for? Free up your time. Headache relief. Yep. Time relief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Headache relief. The property manager takes care of all those headaches for you. You, as an individual investor and even a real estate agent, doesn't really understand fair housing when it comes to property management and landlords. It's totally different. It is completely different. Lead-based paint now for Lead-based paint is mean, a good example also. Absolutely. Or even mold issues. Yeah. The, a good property manager, I'm glad you qualified that, will be able to guide you through that kind of stuff. For that matter, just take care of it for you. Well, and that's just it. So why do you hire an accountant, right? You hire an accountant to take the burden of the IRS off your back. Exactly. Why do you hire an attorney to take that legal burden off your back? So why would you hire a real estate agent? You know, you would do that to take the, all the compliance, all the contract, all that stuff off your back. Why do you hire a property manager? Headache relief. That's exactly right. Makes sense. So uh, I kind of wish I could build my business like this. If you can't see, I'm in a boot right now. <laughs> so I went to the doctor recently, and uh, I have a, an Achilles problem. And the doctor tells me all about what he's going to do to it. He's going to put me in a boot. He's going to do x-rays and all this kind of stuff. Never once did I ask him how much this was going to cost. Never once. Because this was pain relief. I want rid of it. I want rid yeah. of this pain. I want to be able to run again. It didn't matter how much it cost. We're the same way. It doesn't matter what we cost. We're pain relief. Yeah. Fortunately, we don't cost a lot. <laughs> right. And, and ultimately, and we'll wrap up with this, and ultimately, that whole strategy, right, if I'm thinking about getting into the, to the rental uh, ownership business, yes. uh -huh. then as I'm thinking about that, if, if my goal is to make my life easier through rentals, right, passive income, all of yep. those kind of uh -huh. things, one great strategy would be, Factor in when I'm calculating my investment, your fees. Management. That's right. I would too. Absolutely. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and the property manager has a property manager. So absolutely. I mean yep. that says uh -huh. something right there. And my properties that if I buy any in Memphis, which I'm seriously considering, they will be managed by my guy in Memphis, not me. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Any other questions, uh, cousin Charlie? You know Charlie oh, Davidson. Yeah, I know cousin Charlie. Good to see you. I hate. I miss having lunch with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So that's all the questions we have. Um, if you're watching this not live and you have any other questions, go ahead and pop them on there and I'll make sure uh, that Scott answers those. And I um, guess that's it. You got anything else? You got, got anything, any last nugget you want to throw out there? Sure. If anybody wants to reach us, uh, you can reach our office here at info at PMIProsTN.com. It's P-M-I-P-R-O-S-T-N.com, as in Property Management Inc. Professionals, Tennessee. Right. I know we'll we'll put that in the comments. Name. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And our office is 615-867-8282. Cool. Very good. Well, Scott, I appreciate yeah. you, man. Yeah. Always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, I hope this was beneficial to you. And um, 
yeah, if you have any questions, put them on there. So Jonathan Harmon, Jay Harmon, Home Team with Scott Abernathy of PMI. Thanks. Thank you.